Today, Carl and Nick preview the Week 16 matchup as the Denver Broncos take on the Kirk Cousins-led Washington Redskins. This podcast was recorded on the evening of Tuesday, December 19th. Things may have changed since then. You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Welcome to the Huddle Up Podcast, your go-to show for all things Broncos. Once again, Broncos country, it is time to huddle up. I am Carl Dumbler, and with me, as always, I have Mr. Nick Kendall. Nick, <laughs> we won again. <laughs> we start getting into our, our draft content, and all of a sudden, the team starts hurting our draft status. So I I find myself completely torn on what is happening with this team. But hey, they're winning. I, I can't really complain about a win, can we? Uh, personally, no, but it is a little bit irritating to see that we can probably possibly get all the way down to like the 16th pick in the draft if we win in these next two games, but we will see what happens. I mean, I'll take the win. I don't know. Have you ever seen the movie old school? Yeah. You know, that scene where Will Ferrell gets extremely inebriated and then takes off all his clothes and is just like running down the quad. Like we're going streaking. <laughs> That's every time we get the wins. That's, I'm thinking that. So it's, we're streaking right now. It's great. You know, cold wind hitting naked body, I guess we'll go that far. And it's it's great. So I'll, I'll take it. I think that this week, I mean, we got a toughest challenge we've had in the last couple of weeks. But it's good to get those wins, you know, five wins. He's, he's better than that uh, 2010 Josh McDaniels year where we only had four wins. And, I mean, there's obviously still talent on this team. That's the main thing I'm taking away. We still have talent. It's not completely desolate. So while we're pushing down the draft board, which is unfortunate because I think that this class doesn't have – that many great players. It's a, it's a deep class, but it's not a very top-heavy class. But still, it's good to get the wins, and hopefully hopefully we can keep winning if, if that's the case. Yeah. No, I'm with you. It's Like I said, it's hard to complain about a win, and I'm sure it's actually pretty good for morale heading into the season, to the next season. You don't want to end on what would it have been, a 12-game losing streak if we'd lost every game? Yeah, that's how you get fired. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I mean you'd have to about replace half the team at least at that point. Every coach, it just, we've had a lot of turnover through the last few years. And so not the worst thing ever to to see some stability. Anyway, getting to this show, as you all know, this show's focus is all things pertain to your Denver Broncos. We'll be bringing you these game previews every single week to get you ready for the upcoming game and how to be watching the game, hopefully as a smarter fan. With Nick and myself being film junkies, We'll be bringing you these previews with the scout-based perspective, breaking down the matchups from a player's skill set and X's and O's perspective. You can follow myself on Twitter at CarlDumblerMHH, as well as follow Nick at NickKindleMHH. And be sure to tweet us any questions or opinions you have, because we really do live for talking Bronco football. You can also follow the podcast Twitter account at HuddleUpPod. Make sure you check out ours and our co-writers' written content at milehighhuddle.com, a part of scout.com, an affiliate of the CBS Sports Digital Network. You know, We know you listeners are as football and Bronco crazy as we are. So please give us a click and subscribe to us on iTunes, as well as Stitcher. And don't forget to share us on Facebook and Twitter. We would, wouldn't be here today without you listeners. So please take the time to rate and subscribe to let your voices be heard on how you enjoy the show. 
Hey gang, Chad Jensen here. The fellas have a lot of great Broncos analysis to get to today. But first, we want to say thank you to our sponsor, Rep the Squad. We got to draw your attention to one of the coolest services for a Broncos fan out there. Rep the Squad is a jersey subscription club that lets you rep every jersey that you want. With hundreds of different jerseys, Rep the Squad allows you to switch between your favorite stars and styles whenever you like. Maybe this week it's a home jersey of Von Miller, and next week it's Emmanuel Sanders on the road. Adult memberships are $19.95 per month, and youth are $16.95. New jerseys arrive each week, fresh and clean, within two to three days of ordering. It's like Netflix for jerseys. Rep the Squad allows you to rep the Broncos all season long, no matter if it's home, away, or an alternate jersey. Free shipping both ways. Cancel anytime, but here's the key, you guys. Use promotion code HUDDLE, that's H-U-D-D-L-E, to get 50% off your first month at RepTheSquad.com. That's promo code HUDDLE at RepTheSquad.com. Go there, sign up for a subscription, use the code, thank us later. Well, here we go. Two-game win streak, like we said before. Defense looking like we had hoped all year, and the offense actually showing a little bit of a spark the last two weeks. Obviously a little late in the game to be finally showing up, but uh, they're at least showing some resolve. I I do have to say, to see these players continue to fight like they are, it shows something about this team. To see some of these young guys coming in, really competing to show that they could maybe be something for us next year, like Latimer and McGovern. I have to say, I I do like seeing a lot of that happening right now. Yeah, the youths are... Starting to play, and now we got that five wins. Vance Joseph is apparently safe for next season. You know, before we were hearing that he was out, and now we heard that he is safe because he got to that five win mark. But they're gonna they're gonna do what we've been preaching for weeks now, and that's play the young guys and evaluate the youths, as I like to say. But yeah, the young guys have been playing pretty well. Probably Colin best game of his career last week. That was probably one of the the big. You could notice it in the press conference where for the last couple of weeks it's been, hey, we're still focused on winning, so whoever gives us the best chance to win is going to get on the field. And then this week there was a real switch to, hey, we're going to get some of the young guys out there, see what they got. We want to see Paxton get a chance to play. We want to get D'Angelo Henderson on the field. They've been IRing guys left and right. And, and just you, you could tell Vance Joseph knows finally, okay, my job is safe. It's no longer about having to go out there and try to win these games with the veterans, it's okay. Now we can actually go evaluate players. And uh, so it, it's easy to see that that conversation happened between Elway and Vance Joseph. Yeah, I agree. And now that his job is safe, it's definitely time to evaluate the guys, which unfortunate, that's kind of unfortunate for us because we should have been doing that probably the last three games. But Vance Joseph was coaching to try to save his job and looks like the guys responded. So I think that, like you mentioned, it builds a lot towards the next season. And I think it really does a lot for at least directionality of this team. You know, we're not just totally sinking. You know, there's, we're still taking on a little bit of water. But it's not just a total dead weight at this point. And there's some reason to be optimistic for next season. At least I think so. There are some people who are pretty pessimistic that no matter what, Vance Joseph is horrible and we hate him and Brock Osweiler and Paxton Lynch are garbage, you know. I'm, it's Christmas time. I want to try to be a little bit of positive. Maybe we'll get a Christmas miracle. Who knows? There you go. Well, let, let's start off talking about this, this Washington matchup and maybe talk about the one guy that is probably on the forefront of both fan bases' minds right now. And you, you kind of talked about there with, uh, with Brock Osweiler, Trevor Simeon, Paxton Lynch, none of them have really shown anything big this year. 
Brock Osweiler probably just had the best game of any quarterback, but in years. Yeah, but it was in years. The <laughs> who have one of the worst secondaries in football, have no pass rush. And so I, I hey, I gotta give him his props. He went out there and he showed something. He showed what I think every Bronco fan hoped he would be when we drafted him. And it, it's only taken what, six years now? <laughs> to finally see that kind of come out of him. But no, it was. It was a very impressive game, but probably not enough to sit there and say going into next year, hey, this is our guy. This is our, our quarterback. And and a lot of people think the Broncos quarterback, and there's a lot of rumors out there that this is their number one priority, is on the other team, Kirk Cousins. I guess just start off, what, what do you think about this kid? I think Kirk Cousins is a valuable player. He's a one-time pro bowler, but you know, obviously pro bowls are – more of a popularity vote than anything has played 60 games in his career, a completion percentage of 65.9. So if he's, he's over 65, that's something that's a big positive 7.8 yards per attempt, 96 touchdowns on his career and 51 interceptions. So had a pretty, had a pretty darn good career. Washington. Some people will argue that Washington doesn't have a great offense. And I, I like to argue that personally, I think Washington, now they've been definitely injured this season, but over the last few years, they've had some weapons on that offense and a really solid offensive line. I mean, you tell me outside of Tyron Smith and Zach Martin, I don't know if there's a better tackle guard duo on any offensive line than Brandon Scherf and Trent Williams and Morgan Moses at right tackle is a very good right tackle. And honestly, those NFC East defenses have been pretty putrid over the last few seasons. So Kirk Cousins, while he's been a good player, I would say it's definitely not definitive that he's a top 10 quarterback. Some people like to argue, oh, it's Kirk Cousins. Look at the numbers. He's a top 10 quarterback. Well, <laughs> as you know, and the listeners probably know if they've been sticking around with us, we, we do like our numbers, but numbers are nothing without context, especially in football. Football is a game where you have 11 guys going on 11 guys trying to do a whole bunch of different things at once. And if you just look at the numbers, I mean, the, without seeing the talent, without seeing, asking the, or answering the question, why, then it doesn't really mean much. But statistically, he's been solid. He's had a good season, and I think that he is going to get heavily paid, whether it's from the Broncos or somebody else. He's going to get paid like a top five quarterback in the league. And that that concerns me because no team – I mean, you're the one who pointed this out. I'm sure I'm going to steal your thunder here, but no team's ever won a playoff game spending more than 33% of their payroll on two players. And if the Broncos pay Kirk Cousins – 27 million like reportedly they're going to or that he wants then you have von miller and kurt cousins getting paid all that money i mean no actually there has been two teams i believe uh, but both those teams had quarterbacks one of them had a quarterback by the name of peyton manning the other had a quarterback by the name of tom brady he's a solid quarterback probably scraping that just outside of that top 10 and obviously we'd be better with him but i think there's a lot of risk with it there's a lot of long-term downside and i feel like if you get that guy you're you're definitely in the hunt for playoff contention year after year. But is that a guy that's going to be competing for Super Bowls? I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Numbers can be very deceiving. I think one of the best ways of seeing that is, uh, can you name the quarterback that threw for 35 touchdowns in 2015 that most people didn't think would even make it as their starting quarterback after that year? Uh, Glennon? I have no idea. <laughs> He had a 35 touchdown season. 35 touchdown. Yeah, 35 touchdowns in one season. And he's had a decent year this year. I would say he's had better weapons 
that have made him look better than what his numbers really should be. And they've kind of leaned on that run game quite a bit with a guy that we really liked last year in the draft in Fournette. But um, again, just numbers, you can't just look oh, at... Oh, you're the- talking about Bortles. Yeah, Bortles, yes, sorry. <laughs> you didn't say the name. <laughs> oh, I thought I said it, sorry. Uh, yeah, Blake Bortles, a guy that threw 35 touchdowns in 2015. Everybody's kind of going, okay, he's finally emerging as that quarterback. Some thought he'd be in the draft. And next year he came out, looked pretty, pretty terrible to the point that people didn't even know if he'd be the starter for Jacksonville in 2017. And probably next year it looks like a guy that they're going to try to update on. Uh, just He's playing decent. He is. I've watched some of his games, and his receivers make a lot of tough catches. But beyond that, it just, again, numbers can be very deceiving. 35 touchdowns, that is great. That is, is top five kind of kind of numbers, but he's not a top five quarterback. And same with with watching Kirk Cousins here. I've watched quite a few of his games, and he's he's a highly accurate quarterback. But so is Sam Darn or Sam Darnold, uh, Sam Bradford. He's a highly accurate quarterback. Would anybody say that that's a, a huge guy that you got to go get? He's now starting to bounce around the around the league. Um, so accuracy only gets you so far. And again, like you said, it's, it's the money side of it. I like Kirk Cousins, but at a certain price. Uh, the number that always sticks out to me is there's only, I think, three quarterbacks in NFL history that took up more than 10.4% of their cap that won a Super Bowl. So are you about maybe getting to the playoffs or are you about winning Super Bowls? If you're about winning Super Bowls, then you probably don't go sign Kirk Cousins to a top five quarterback contract. And I've had some people say, well, you know, in a few years, he won't be a top five quarterback money wise. He'll still be up there. He'll still be making a huge chunk of the cap. It'll still be in that 10 to 12 percent, even four years from now. So, again, that's just something that keeps sticking to me is what are you about? Are you winning? Are you about winning Super Bowls? Are you about maybe making the playoffs most years? Yeah, I can't disagree with you at all. I mean, I I like what I see from Kirk Cousins, but. I don't think he I don't think he will ever be a top five, top eight quarterback. I mean, is he a franchise quarterback? I'm not sure. I'm I just I think that he's solid, but a franchise, I don't know. I and mean, if you're gonna pay him twenty seven million a season, I mean that's you need a franchise level arm. That's a huge chunk of the cap. And there are some talks that the cap, you know, it's been rising pretty pretty rapidly over the past five, six years. There's some talk that it's going to kind of level off here. And then you don't get that back end where, you know, it's going to be, oh, now it's only $27 million, but the quarterback, for a top 10 quarterback now goes for about 30. No, there's, there, there's rumors that it's going to be a little bit of a level off. And that concerns me because if you pay Kirk Cousins, it's not only about the AAV, the annual allotted value that you're paying him per season, but then you're sunk in him, in him for, what, four years, five years? And if he gets hurt or he's just not good, I mean, you're, you're done for the next two, three seasons. You know, you're, you're going to really put yourself in a bind financially. And I like Kirk, and I agree that quarterback is the most important. And I know Denver has never been a team that seems like they've been able to draft and tri- develop their own quarterback. But, I mean, you've got to be a little bit apprehensive about paying him. And if he wants to come here, you know, $24 million a year, 22 to $24 million a year, I'm, I'm interested. But 27 plus. Ah, man, I don't know. It's it's just, I feel like that limits you 
and what she can do. And I, I do want to have a better offense, better quarterback play. But, you know, when you pay that guy that much money, you're definitely going to be hurting other areas of your team long term. Yeah, it's you're putting all your eggs in one basket. And then depending also, it's it's I say you're putting all your eggs in one basket, but you're also then depending on you have to go out there and draft really, really well. Because with him and Von Miller, you can add almost nothing else free agency wise, probably for the next three, four years. So you absolutely then have to go out there and hit on the draft. And most likely with a Kirk Cousins kind of quarterback, here's, here's the kind of seasons you're looking at most likely. Six to 10 to 10 and six. I think you were the one that, that did you tweet that out? Yes, I did. Yep. It's, you're just hovering right around that 500. You'll have some seasons where, you know, you're playing well and you're going to compete for the division and get a playoff spot. But I don't think you're ever going to be a team that's a perennial first round buy type of team. Right. And so, again, then, then that hurts you draft stock-wise. We're seeing it right now with the Broncos winning. We're going from possibly having the number two pick in the draft to around 16th in the draft just because of a few wins. You get that 6-10, and 7-9 kind of season. You're missing out on the top-tier players. And so then, again, it's just it's hard to hit. I know people have complained about John Elway's drafts, but a lot of them have been in that bottom five picks every round. That's not easy to go find yourself an all-pro kind of player. Yes, you're going to get lucky sometimes, and, and the Broncos have gotten lucky with guys like uh, Trevathan, um, Malik Jackson, and some of those later rounds. Obviously, finding Chris Harris undrafted, that kind of thing, but that, that's, that's not the norm in the NFL. So, I don't know. I, I'm torn. I could go either way. If they sign him, I mean, I'll be happy for the most part, just because we'll have that one position completely figured out, but... I, I don't know how I'd feel about our chances of winning a Super Bowl. I, I feel like we'd have to find some kind of all pro talent in the draft that really at, at a key position too. That's the other part of that. I don't know. It, it's like I said, I'm, I'm very, very torn. <laughs> whatever the Broncos do, whatever the Broncos end up doing, I'll probably be sold on that just because I'm going to try to be positive. Yeah. But if you, if you put me down right now as a yes or no at 27 million per year, I'm probably at a nay. I mean, just, I don't know. I, some people are probably going to turn off the podcast as soon as I say this, but instead of paying $27 million a year, I honestly, maybe I'm frugal and cheap or you know, trying to be you know, living to fight another day. And I know job security isn't that. You know, I'm, I'm thinking more of a five-year picture, and that's not a thing in the NFL. You know, Sashi Brown was playing Moneyball with the Browns, and he was fired in two seasons. Browns haven't had a GM last more than two seasons for like 12 years or something. So, But when you think of long-term, five years plus, I wouldn't be upset with bringing Brock Osweiler back and having him compete with Lynch in a draft pick as well. Because then you're at least punting. You're not putting so much money in that position for a guy that I'm – obviously, Kirk Cousins is better, but what's better? Kirk at $27 million a year or Brock at $6 million a year? I mean, seriously, because then you can do so much more with the cap, and it's not even just about day one with the cap, one season with the cap. It's long-term because there's going to be dead money for years when you sign that deal. I mean, what do you think? $27 million per year for five years? probably five, six years. And then if he gets hurt or anything happens, you're screwed. You I mean, yeah. that's, it's, it's that simple. You're screwed. Unless you want to pull a Texans where you're trading a second round pick just to get rid of the contract, which Kirk Cousins is better than Osweiler. Don't get me wrong. But I just, I don't know. I know. And I know some people argue, Oh, it's not your money. Why do you care? Well, I care because it's a salary cap. If this was baseball and I was a fan of the Yankees, spend the money. I don't care. But in the cap, if you're spending money, one place, that means you can't spend it somewhere else. And if you're paying Kirk Cousins $27 million a year, 
and Vaughn that monstrous contract as well, which he deserves. I just, I think you really limit yourself and there's not many teams that can survive and you're going to lose a lot of talent as well. If you're paying two guys that much and they're taking up that much of the cap. Right. Well, it's kind of like, uh, I, I was talking with somebody the other day. I think it was somebody on mile high report on Twitter and they were talking about how we need to go get Kirk cousins. And I said, well, what do you think? Or say you go get a guy like Teddy Bridgewater. He's not going to be expensive or say Brock Osweiler. Like you said, you pay him that six to $7 million a year for about a two year deal. So then you have $20 million more to go do and do something with. And so maybe you can keep a keep to leave and keep that no fly zone looking really good. Or, and say, then you can go sign, uh, Oh, what's his name for the Panthers? Their, their guard. Norwell. Norwell. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So then you have your other guard position completely figured out. So then all you have to do is figure out your right tackle position. And I know some, uh, we're, we're, I'm high on McGovern, but not like he's going to be the next great offensive guard kind of thing. So again, say you can make your offensive line even that much better because you have the money to be able to spend on it to protect that quarterback. And then you can also work on building up that run game and you can sign guys like Latimer also to the long-term contract. Like we're hearing right now that the Broncos want to do. It just gives you a lot more freedom to add talent around the quarterback. And this comes back to what do you think wins Super Bowls? A talented team or a talented quarterback? You need both. <laughs> oh, it's true. I, I agree. I think you do need both. But I think people get too caught up in who the quarterback and ignore what's around them. I look at a guy like, uh, like Rodgers right now with Green Bay. There's not as much talent there as there was a few years ago. They've been really relying on some, some older vets that just haven't been holding up their end of the deal. And they haven't been doing great in the draft. And they just haven't been the type of team that you sit there and say, okay, this is that 13 and three team because they have Rodgers. He, he can only do so much. He can only cover up so many issues with that team. Their defense has just been pretty average at best kind of thing. Tom Brady, part of the reason that he takes that lower contract is because he understands team building. He understands that he needs talent around him. So now they could go and get themselves a Brandon Cooks. They can go pay for... Uh, all these other players to be around him that bring a lot of talent. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you, but it's still going to be a fun matchup this week against the no-fly zone. I mean, Kirk Cousins, eighth in passing yards this season, seventh in yards per attempt, seventh in touchdown passes with 24, and ninth in QB rating, and seventh in completion percentage. So he's having a good season. Uh, Pro Football Focus has him as the 13th best quarterback. That's probably about where I'd have him as well um, when you're taking, you know, you can't just look at the, the statistical output because who you're playing against, game flow there's so many just different things that will impact that but he's been he's been pretty good and I'm excited to see him against the no fly zone the Broncos defense is not what it was in 2015 they were last year especially as a passing unit but they're still good Von Miller I mean Morgan Moses has been hurt all year so I'm expecting some pressure in Kirk Cousins's face uh, they do have a solid offensive line when they're healthy but Trent Williams has been battling with injuries and the interior offensive line outside Scherf is not that great and the weapons are solid you know Josh Doxson is a talent and I really like what they do with uh, Thompson, a running back, uh, more of a pass-catching running back. And unfortunately for them, Jordan Reed has been hurt almost all season, Which so what's new? Hopefully you don't have him on your fantasy team like I do. <laughs> but gosh darn it, this is the first year I've ever had him. Like, oh, this is a great value. Fourth round, fifth round for a potential number one tight end. I'll take it. He's like played like three games. I swear it's been three games. But Vernon Davis is playing good for them. I mean, remember, he was a cast-off for us, and 
look at what happens when you have a, an average quarterback. That's where we're at, and it's unfortunate in that regard. But they, they have some good weapons. I know that they also brought in Terrell Pryor, and he was supposed to be good this season for them, filling that Deshaun Jackson deep ball guy for them, and he just never really clicked with them. But they got, they got some weapons for him, and I think that he has a solid offense around him. It's not great, but when they're healthy, they're above average, and especially that offensive line. I mean, I can't, I can't speak highly enough about Trent Williams. He is an absolute freak at left tackle. Yeah, I, I watched him. Who was again? It was against uh, Melvin Ingram. Did you see that play? Where he just like rode him into the ground. Well, Ingram beat him to the inside, and he did a Trent Williams did a spin move as an offensive lineman after getting beat to the inside and was still able to catch up to Ingram and shove him out of the way. That's insanity. He's huge too. Yeah, I mean Mel, Melvin Ingram right now is a top seven outside linebacker in the NFL. I would say. And to, to be able to do that against a player of that caliber is impressive. And, and at his size, like you said, he's, he's huge. And he can move in space. He is so fun to watch on, on the screen game. That is one thing I really noticed about the, the Redskins when watching their games is they are so incredible at the screen game. It's gone down a little bit because of Chris Thompson getting hurt and put on IR. Yeah. But, uh, hey, Bronco fans should be familiar with this guy, Capri Bibbs. He had... So many blockers in front of him for his 36-yard touchdown. I mean, he didn't get touched until about the last two, three yards of the play because he had three offensive linemen just blowing people away. I mean, it just it was. It was so fun to watch that play. That's what I wish the Broncos could do. They have running backs that can make people miss in space. They could do well with the players that they have. DT in the screen game. I know people have been, where is it? Well, we haven't had the quarterbacks to really take advantage of that play. But it just, oh, to see how it actually works in unison when you have the players on on the same page as everybody else, it just, it's incredible. And uh, so, yeah, they they have some weapons. This will be an interesting matchup for this Broncos secondary, much harder than what we saw last week against Brissett and, and the Colts. And much harder. Yeah, much, much harder. <laughs> much harder. Oh, my goodness. It's night and day when you're looking at these two. But, yeah, it, they do. They have some weapons. Uh, Jameson Crowder is their top wide receiver right now, has 717 yards, two touchdowns. And uh, I don't know. This will be a good chance to see how we match up, especially Vernon Davis. I say this every week. If you can start the tight end that's playing the Broncos, it's probably a good idea, especially now that Justin Simmons is put on IR. I don't know. That would be a guy to keep an eye on. I I think he could have a really big game against the Broncos because he's such a – a big weapon threat still at his age. He can still move. I mean, he's probably one of the biggest freaks athletically at the tight end position we've seen over the last decade. Just never really had the hands, which is important. But straight line speed is a, just an athlete and a weapon. Dude's a freak. Mm-hmm. Agreed. One of the, the top five probably combine performances in NFL history. If you if you ever care about that, that's that was something he just skyrocketed up boards after his combine and what he was able to do. Yep, just never was never able to get it together with the Broncos. What was the game where he just totally blew it? Was it the Steelers game? It's like a fourth down and it hit him in the numbers and he just dropped it and there went the game. I think that was the Raiders game. Raiders? Oh man, I could have sworn it was the Steelers. I don't remember. I mean, I think it, I think it happened more than once, but I think there was a game where we had a chance and this fourth down and it hit him right in the numbers. Yeah, I think that was the Raiders game where uh, we held them to negative yards in the first half. 
and yet they still found a way to win. And Broncos found themselves in that fourth down situation and hit him in the in the chest. I was I I remember that game pretty vividly just because I was listening to it on the radio. I was driving home from my wife's uh, family's home in Nebraska. And oh my goodness, to go from oh my goodness, this defense is destroying them to somehow they win, even though our defense just I've never seen a defense destroy a team that much and still find a way to lose the game. Yeah, you're right. It was the Raiders game. I found the highlight. So Yep. Vernon Davis, drop one this week for us. Or don't, you know, whatever you're cheering for fans, draft pick or win, whatever. I don't care. Yeah. Just cheer for Vernon Davis to do one or the other, because he probably could. <laughs> All right. Well, we better keep moving on this. Uh, I think we've talked about the about Kirk Cousins enough. <laughs> Won't be the last time. Yeah. It will not be the last time either. It's true. But moving on, we have an interesting matchup of, and, and I say this every week because it's it's usually a pretty interesting matchup, but Broncos offensive line versus the front seven of the Redskins. And something I noticed that the Redskins did, especially this last game against Cardinals, is they blitzed a ton. They pretty much decided Blaine Gabbert, quarterback that hasn't played, I mean, he's played some, but just not a ton. And they decided they wanted to make him uncomfortable, make him have to make quick decisions. And they destroyed that Cardinals offensive line, destroyed Gabbert, made him look terrible. It looks like he's getting benched this week even after that performance. And so I look at this week. We're not quite sure yet when we're recording this episode who's going to be the starting quarterback. Very good chance. It's going to be Paxson. It's going to be Paxson. It's going to be Paxson. We're pretty darn sure. Unless something happens, set back with his ankle, they want to get Paxson on the field. And – so I'm, I'm guessing there's going to be a lot of blitzes. They're going to make him try to make quick decisions. They're going to test out that ankle, see how it holds up. And in their front seven, they have a decent – I mean, they got some decent players here. Ryan Kerrigan, nine sacks on the season. Preston Smith has six. Junior Gallette is is one of their, their depth guys. Uh, a guy probably not as many people have heard of is Matt Ionitis. Oh, yes, from Temple. And then Anthony Lanier and Terrell McLean, all from that defensive end position in the 3-4. They've all put some decent pressure on the quarterback this year. So very good test for some of our young offensive linemen. Stevenson getting himself a, a pretty big test going against Kerrigan. Uh, I don't know. This could be a... a this could be a very interesting matchup for them. Like I said, it's and if it's Paxson Lynch... To me, I think this is where you have to try to get the the you have to try to get the screen game going or the quick outs to the running back. Uh, I, I was kind of thinking about that for this week of Devontae Booker. He had that incredible catch and run last week that got negated by by penalty. Gosh and, darn it, Bulls! Oh man, that <laughs> that was such a good play. It was. It was. I, I saw C.J. Anderson tweet after the game that he needed to add that kind of that kind of play to his repertoire. <laughs> I would love to see CJ Anderson try to jump that eye. I mean, for the sake of whoever he lands on, let's hope not. <laughs> exactly. But no, that's, that's what I was kind of thinking of this week. Cause I, I can see them blitzing a lot. And the best way to get a team to stop blitzing you is hit that running back quickly out outside or quick screen game, whatever you want to call it and make them have to back off. Yeah. I mean, we have not seen the screen like we've been hoping for it and calling for it for a long time. As an Iowa fan this year, it was very frustrating because teams were calling run blitzes constantly. And if you're sending five or six guys and you have a one or two offensive linemen or a tight end and an offensive lineman, you know, slip out after 
laying a quick block. Then you get that running back sneaking behind him. I mean, you got 15 yards right there for, for the taking. So I agree. If they're going to be aggressive, you got to utilize that screen game. And they just have not been doing it that well this season, partially because I don't think our offensive line outside of Bulls is that athletic. So you don't have really those offensive linemen moving to that second level. You know, in comparison to the Redskins offensive line where you have, you know, guys like Trent Williams, Brandon Scherf, Morgan Moses, even you know, Chase Rollier, decently athletic and getting in space and making plays happen, blocking down the field. Tight ends too. Vernon Davis, you know, not the best blocker, but as in terms of an in-space blocker, pretty darn good. So that's it's definitely something that you're going to w- want to look out for. Broncos are lucky. I guess you could say they're lucky <laughs> that uh, Jonathan Allen, their first-round pick, is not going to be playing. He got injured earlier in the season, is going to be out. But this, this off- defensive line is not that talented. They've been getting some pressure, but you can run on them. Stacey McGee from Oakland, not that great. Ziggy Hood, Matt Ioannidis, you know, they're, they're okay on the defensive line, but none of those guys really look like ones that, you know, oh, that's definitely a starting caliber often, or defensive lineman in the NFL. They're, they're kind of that borderline level. But I do really love their depth at edge rusher. They did loss. They did lose Trent Murphy early in the season, who was an edge rusher for them, very talented. So that's, that's one that hurt their depth. But Junior Gallette, a number of years, I believe he played for the Saints for a while. Was very good there. I really like what I see from Ryan Kerrigan, first round pick. I believe the same year as the Von Miller draft. So he's hasn't lived up. Maybe not. Maybe it was a different year. But you know, very good edge rusher for them. And I really like Preston Smith. I had a first round grade on him when he came out. Just strong, can play three four four three, and a good, very good player. And the other the other edge rusher that is worth noting that the Redskins have is probably the only guy that I had a worse grade on that was drafted in the second round other than DeMarcus Walker, Ryan Anderson. I get he's from Alabama, but, man, I don't see anything that that guy does that translates to an NFL skill set. Just very stiff, can't cover, doesn't bend, not very explosive. I mean, I get it. He's a solid guy who can set the edge, but that you can find that in the fifth or sixth round. So, But other than that, you know, they've got depth, especially on the edge. So our tackles are going to be stressing, and Bulls is going to need to play better. And Donald Stevenson, he played better the first two weeks. Last week he gave up a fair amount of pressures. But still, I feel like the offensive line has been better since Musgrave came in, and that's because, guess what? They're playing to their strength. They're running the freaking football, and it's working. Yeah, I think it was, what, what, 42 carries to like 22 throws or 26 throws this last week? I love it. That's that's an Iowa Hawkeye game. If you get the lead and you can run the football and just – Control it, control the clock. You do it. Don't get fancy. If they can't stop it, just keep doing it. Agreed. That's, uh, I mean, that's what this team was supposed to be this year. Uh, those are the kind of players they went out and got Leary with his devastating ability to, to run block. You go get a guy like Watson. He was supposed to be a great run blocker. And he, he showed that too. Uh, Bulls, again, aggressive run blocker. Garcia, much better run blocker than pass blocker. Much better. And yet you try to come out and do the opposite of that, like 42 passes to 26 carries. And then you wonder why you're losing lots of games and throwing lots of interceptions. And, oh, it, it was a mess. So, yes, the, the switch in offensive coordinator has been a huge, huge thing for this team. I, I was decently okay with, with, with McCoy. I was one that liked the Musgrave signing much more just because I thought he'd be great for our quarterbacks. And that was the the one position we needed to be better this year. But yeah, McCoy, 
I think he got too spoiled having Peyton Manning and Phillip Rivers as quarterbacks the last two times. It was just frustrating that he wouldn't adjust. I mean, you have a team that doesn't have a great quarterback, so what are you going to do? You're going to put him in shotgun and make him throw it 40 times with three wide receiver sets? That just that just spells disaster. And I, what, what Musgrave did with Oakland over the last few seasons, that power run game and the play action to go off of it, oh, just keep it simple, stupid, and go make plays. And that's, that's what they're doing. They're executing. They haven't executed offensively in, since Peyton Manning's been here, it feels like. And they were doing that these last couple weeks. I'm just hoping if Paxton Lynch does actually start, I hope they do a better job than what they did the last time they had him in there. That was, I don't even know what they were calling there in the Oakland game. That was Musgrave's first one. And you have him under center. You know that's not his strength. I, I don't know. I, I just didn't get that. But hey, Musgraves, maybe it just took him a couple games to adjust, looking much better, and uh, playing more to, like you said, more to the strengths of the team. Yep, absolutely. And you know what works well in cold weather football? Running the football. So I, they, they better bring it again this week. It travels. And I, I'm not that impressed with the interior pass, uh, the interior guys like Ioannidis, Lanier, and McLean. I think you can run at them and Ziggy Hood. So I think it's going to be a heavy run game. And if Paxton Lynch has more than 25 pass attempts, I'm going to be a little bit disappointed. Sounds about right. Well, if he is passing, this brings us to our, our third group of, of key matchups. And one of the strengths of this Washington defense, of their, their secondary guys, especially their cornerbacks, and Josh Norman and Breland, going up against DT, Sanders, and Latimer. It was, it was so good to see Latimer finally getting on the field for the offense and actually making plays. I, I was very high on that draft pick. I'll admit it. I'm one of those guys that when we picked him, I was like, there we go. That's a good player. I think he can come in. I think he can be that number two kind of receiver. And I just, I liked his game. And he has obviously through the first three and a half years of his career, he hasn't really shown much as an offensive player, more as that special teams guy. But finally, I just felt like they played to his strengths. Get him out there in the route, throw it up to him, let him just go make a play. Yeah, and let him go be a blocker too. I mean, how much, again, we're bringing it back to that run game. I'm sorry, I'm a broken record, but he's just doing big things in terms of the ability of downfield blocking. You know, you see that Devontae Booker play where he hurdles that guy. Well, you know what? He's getting space because the running uh, wide receivers are blocking down the field. And that's something that, I, as much as Emmanuel Sanders is fun down the field and, you know, big play threat, he is just not a good blocker. I don't It's partially mentality, it's partially, partially stature, but he just doesn't bring it like DT and. Cody Latimer do. So I'd like to see them out there and take out some safeties, man. Go block some guys. And I agree with you. You know, this is a big game. Josh Norman versus Demarius Thomas. I'm assuming that's how they will match up. It's going to be a very fun one. Demarius Thomas isn't so much a, you're not going to see him and Norman probably get into it, but Norman, Norman, and it's going to be very physical with him. And I expect Sanders also to have a game where, you know, you're going to have to attack Breland. But other than those two, I, there's not that many great cornerbacks on this team. You know, Kendall Fuller is solid out there, but not great. Joshua Hosley, seventh-round draft pick this season. So they they have some talent, but I think that the Broncos, especially if Latimer is balling out and you're not throwing the ball too much, I think they can take some shots and pull those, suck those guys in with some play action as well. Yeah, that's, that's what I'd like to see. Have Latimer go deep, throw it up to him, let him go win that 50-50 ball. Just give him a chance. Don't overthrow him. Let him go make the play because – that's that's definitely his strength. I, I think it was their wide receivers coach 
he tweeted out something about after Latimer had his big game of those 50-50 balls are more like 75-25 balls when it's Latimer. And we, we kept hearing about that all through camp, that he would go up and make those ridiculous catches in traffic. And I just hated that they didn't have some kind of package for him around the red zone. Just stick him in. Just say, hey, these are the 10 plays I want you to focus on. When we get in the red zone, this is what we're going to do. And we're going to throw it up in the corner of the end zone. You come down with it. That's what I thought he could have been for this team over the last couple of years. And they just haven't used him that way. And Broncos have been terrible in the red zone. <sighs> so many things. But beyond that, I, I'm kind of just hoping, excited to see maybe him have another big game. And uh, I really love hearing that the Broncos are trying to get him signed to a, a contract. I don't know what it would be. Probably two to three years is all I'm guessing. Probably but, about two to three million a year as well. Yeah. I was going to ask you, how much would you be willing to go up to to get him? I, I tweeted out that Broncos should probably look into a three-year deal, probably about $9.5 million with $5.5 guaranteed and have almost all of that guaranteed paid in the first two seasons, north of $3 million a year or around $3 million a year, north of $2 million a year. And, you know, he's kind of in that Cordell Patterson range where he's a special teamer but also offers as a wide receiver. And you kind of give yourself an out if he shows up and or doesn't show up and you can get rid of him after two seasons. So that's what I look to do, you know. Three years, $9.5 million. So, yeah, just north of $3 million a year and make sure that last season is probably the, the biggest bump. But again, most of the contract's already paid, so you can move on from him. Or if you're smart and he's playing well, but he wants more money, you can create that into an extension and kick some more guaranteed money in there, kind of like what the Broncos did with DeMarcus Ware. So I'm not sure what he's going to want to bring to the table. I mean, maybe he's going to want to go to a team with a better quarterback situation or get out of Denver where he's been trying to break the starting lineup for four seasons now. But yeah, no, he's been, he's been playing better, and I'm excited to see him out there. And even if he doesn't ever develop into a great wide receiver, he's just so valuable as special teams too. I mean, we always complain on these episodes about how the special team is failing. Well, you know what? When you let Kayvon Webster go and then you let Cody Latimer go, two of your best gunners in the last five years, there's going to be some dropbacks and some drop-off in talent in your special teams units. So I'd love to bring Cody Latimer back. And if I was in charge, I'd offer him that three-year, $9.5 million deal, 5.5 guaranteed. And then I'd be looking to move Sanders personally, but that's just from some of the locker room stuff that I've heard about him as well as, you know, an aging guy with a big contract when you don't have a quarterback situation figured out. I'm not looking to pay that many wide receivers that much money. Right. Well, and it's like you said earlier, Sanders is a great receiving receiver. That doesn't mean he's a great all around receiver. And right now, until we really get the quarterback position figured out, it's hard to want to invest that kind of money into a wide receiver that isn't an all-around player. You need that guy to, to be able to, to run block. You need that guy that's not going to be selfish if he's not getting 10 targets a game. Because, like you said, right now this team, it's, it should be based around the run game. And it just hasn't been. And so having a selfish receiver that is more about, hey, I want to I get my numbers and that's what I'm worried about, uh, it's just... He's not the kind of kind of wide receiver that fits with where the Broncos are right now. So I, I have no problem with them moving on from him. Like you said, some of the things I've heard about in the locker room that he's done, it, it sounds like he's more that guy that cares about his numbers than he does about the team winning. And if you are a team that's about winning, that's not the, the kind of attitude you need. He, he needs, to me, he needs a very strong quarterback that's going to be able to put him in his place. That's what Peyton Manning could do. 
Manning is, is one of those, those personalities that when he walks in the room, everybody else, including coaches, including, including ownership, everybody shuts up and listens to what that guy has to say. There's maybe three quarterbacks in the league that can do that. I would say four. Tom Brees. Drew Brees. Oh, no, no, yeah. I was thinking Peyton still. He's gone. <laughs> no, you're right. Yeah, no, you're right. Maybe, maybe Roethlisberger. That's what I, yeah, he was my other guy I was thinking about. I can't really, I can't really think of anybody else. I guess if Matt Ryan or Eli Manning wanted to say something, I'd probably listen. Yeah, I probably would too. Not elite elites, you know, not sure bound first ballot hall of famer types, but really good professional executive type quarterbacks. You know, the, the not only the, the good playmaker, but the guy who that got that CEO mentality as well. Right. Um, so to me, Emmanuel Sanders, that's the kind of quarterback he needs to go play with. He just needs that voice. that's going to say, Hey, this is what I need from you right now. And otherwise I think he has those times where he kind of shuts down when he's not getting the passes coming his direction. I, I love his desire just to want to go make plays, but I, I think it takes away from the, I don't know. It, I think sometimes those young quarterbacks get a little scared when the veteran comes up and says, Hey, you're not giving me my footballs, throw them my way. And then you start kind of forcing them in there. I anyway, but I like, like I said, I, I wouldn't mind them getting Latimer signed. I think he has more potential than what he's shown. I think we're starting to see a little bit of that potential show up. And I, like you said, you can't keep losing all these guys that help your special teams. You lost David Bruton, your special teams captain. Kayvon Webster becomes your special teams captain. He's gone. And I think more than anything for this Broncos team, something they've been missing is just leadership. They lost their, their last four. They've lost four captains in the last three years. Peyton Manning, DeMarcus Ware, David Bruton, and Kayvon Webster. That's four captains. One from each unit. And then, well, two from one unit, obviously. But that's just a lot of leadership leaving the building that was your, your voice when you needed somebody to really step up. And so far, they just haven't had the guys completely replace all of that. But Cody Latimer, one of the best special teams gunners that I've seen in a while. I love watching that guy run down the field because he just wants to go light somebody up. I, I sent the, the gif earlier today of his, uh, his hit on the 49ers safety. That was... Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was one of those plays. Somebody had asked me, who's a better blocker, Latimer or DT? And I said, DT's had more opportunities to show what he can do, but Latimer is the guy that I want out there because I feel like he's not just going to go get in the way of somebody. He's actually going to light him up. DT's not really that guy that's going to go in there and put his whole body into a block. Yeah, he's, I mean, DT can block, but not like, not like Latimer. Latimer is almost like a tight end out there. So, I've, you know, one thing also we haven't talked about that, I haven't seen many people discuss it, but Musgraves coming in and calling that more simple offense, you know, not as much complexity. That's for a guy like Latimer who reportedly has struggled with route concepts and getting down the playbook. That's a, that's a godsend. So if you keep Musgraves and Latimer can go out there and run, you know, maybe four or five routes, that's he can bring out his natural talent. And I think that's something you got to look at. Exactly. All right. Well, let's, let's move on to our next section here. And that is X Factor. And last week, <laughs> I picked Devontae Booker. And like I said, he had that very pretty touchdown that unfortunately did not matter. And uh, it's a, a little frustrating to see that. Otherwise, he really didn't factor too much just because they really 
rode the hot hand in C.J. Anderson, who had 30 carries for 158 yards. I, I can't blame him. I mean, C.J. Anderson was having a great game. He's running hard, running smart. Why not give him the carries? But, yeah, Devontae Booker, I think he showed some of what he can be with a weapon, though, on that carry. He He's electrifying in the open field. Yeah. You know, he showed very well. I'm still struggling – a little bit with him between the tackles. Like he doesn't show the best vision and the patience and that can lead to him running into the butts of his offensive linemen, which is annoying when you're watching him, especially on that coach's film. But I've, I'm excited about Booker. I keep being told, you know, the Broncos aren't really looking to go running back that early because they really love Booker. They love Booker. They love Booker. And as a receiver, I see it. I haven't seen it as a running back per se, but I'm excited about him getting more opportunity down the stretch. And while CJ is a fun player, I just, I don't see him here next year barring, the Broncos, you know, coming back around after that that second wave of free agency and saying, oh, we still got a little bit of cap. Hey, CJ, you want to come back and be a 1B to Booker? That's the type of thing that I think will probably happen. You know, they're not going to pay him $4.5 It'll be more like a $2 million deal if he comes back here. Right. I agree with that. I see you, Donald Stevenson. Yeah, Stevenson had an okay game. He gave up some pressures. Probably his worst game yet, but he wasn't a complete garbage bin. And that's what the right tackle position has been over the last three, four seasons. So, I, you know what? I'll take it. I'm not even going to be that upset. I had a, a Bronco fan suggest that we should re-sign him after what he's shown these last few games. And I, I just, I can't ignore the last two years and what he's shown on the field. Three games doesn't quite eliminate that for me. And I just can't trust him to stay healthy. We're, we're watching that with Watson this year. He showed that he can't be trusted to stay healthy. I, I just, Stevenson. In 2000, I think it was, was it 2016, the first three games, he actually showed something. I, I remember that just the team was looking really good. Run game was looking pretty good. Stevenson was holding his own, and then he got injured. And then he was never the same after that. And it seems like every year that's what happens. He shows a little bit of promise in a couple games and then gets banged up a little bit. Yeah. No, he's somebody that I'm not looking to bring back, but that's just because I feel snake bit. But I think he's probably going to get a pretty big deal on the free agency market because offensive tackle position, especially if Soldier retires, is really bad. Really, really, really bad in free agency. So I'm guessing that even if the Broncos did want to bring him back for a kind of a smaller deal, he's going to get paid decently elsewhere. and He's probably going to get a chance to start. That's how bad the state of the offensive tackle play in the NFL is. Agreed. Well, who'd you go with this week? This week I went with Demarius Thomas because he's – to go up against Norman and Norman's one of the better cornerbacks in the NFL. And I'm assuming Lynch is going to be playing. And if that's the case, I'm hoping that DT can offer and be a security blanket for him, you know, and he's, that means he's got to win his matchup against Norman and get open and packs. You know, DT is one of those guys where even if he looks somewhat covered, you can throw it to him. I mean, if you throw a pick and it's a 50, 50 ball and DT just loses it, you know, tip the captain, tip your captain Norman, but DT's a guy, he's a playmaker and that's something with Brock Osweiler that I love about him compared to Trevor Simeon. You don't see Trevor Simeon put up those footballs where, you know, there is a little bit of risk to him. But it's like those 50-50 balls where you have a Emmanuel Sanders or Demarius Thomas, and those guys, they can go make plays. But you got to go put it in a position where they can go make plays. Simeon, when he throws those picks, it's not because he's throwing a 50-50 ball that he maybe shouldn't have thrown. He's throwing it into triple coverage. He just flat out didn't see the guy or didn't make the right read or didn't go through his progressions. So I want to see Lynch get that ball to DT, especially in those 50-50 ball opportunities, or if it's one-on-one or he just has a, it's a cover three opportunity, stuff like that. And I want DT to go up and prove why he needs to stay on this roster next year so I can look smart with my hashtag keep DT thread or hashtag going on Twitter. There you go. 
No, I, and and my guy, you just talked about him. I pick I pick Paxton Lynch if he's starting. I think right now there's a good chance that obviously Simeon's gone. I think we both agree on that, right? Yeah, he's gone. Simeon's gone. Osweiler, maybe he's played himself into a little bit of a contract next year. Lynch, I think if he played decent these last two games, could make the team think about going the cheaper option at, at quarterback. Then maybe they just bring in a guy to, to compete with him. Uh, maybe like that Bridgewater. Um, I'm trying to give some of the other second-tier quarterbacks they are going to hit the market. Taylor. Keenum. There you go, Keenum. Um, if the, the Vikings decide. I, I don't know who they're deciding to keep. It's kind of whoever you – it depends on who you listen to of who they're going to keep as their, their quarterback for next year. Um, but, no, I think Lynch could be playing maybe for his chance to be on this team even next year. I, I think his contract makes it a little bit more obvious that he's going to be around just because it, it, it costs more to cut him than it does to keep him on the roster. Trade, they break about even. So just kind of depending how you think on that. But uh, just he's got to show something. He's got two games that he, unfortunately with his injury, he just limited his opportunities to really make this team believe in him. But he's got two games. He's got two, I would say not terrible matchups. Chiefs defense is not that great. Washington's defense is average. So if, if he gets the start, this will be some pretty big games for him. Yeah, I can't disagree. And I'm, I'm pulling for him just because, you know, no matter what, if he plays well, that's good for the Broncos. Because either they can maybe trade him for something of value or they can, maybe they have their quarterback. Who knows? I know that I'm probably going to get a drink from you pretty soon after I win that Paxton Lynch bet. But I'd rather lose it. I would rather lose it. I know, I know. We'd both rather me win it, but uh, we'll, we'll see. Like I said, he's limited his opportunities to show what he's got. But yeah. we'll, I don't know. We'll, we'll just have to see. I, I'm, I'm hoping he gets his chance this week. It'll make me a little more excited to watch the game and just see what he can do with another opportunity. I'd seen somebody tweet out something about, uh, I'm trying to remember which quarterback it was, that just recently got an opportunity to, to make some plays. And it was about his fourth or fifth game where he finally started emerging a little bit and showing some little promise. I can't remember who it was. I have no idea. Okay. I'll have to, I'll have to look it up, but, but no, just again, it's, you can't judge a player completely off just a few games of, of actual playing and say, Nope, this player is trash or it just takes more time than that. If that was the case, John Elway wouldn't be the quarterback of the Broncos for as many years as he was. But again, Lynch, you got to take advantage of your, your small opportunities here. You got a small window. And that brings us here to our, our next sub segment of what to watch for this week. And, and last week, uh, I picked the guy that you picked for our X Factor in DT. Just with his easy matchup, I thought this is a game where he can really take over. And I've been saying that a few times this, this year, and he just hasn't quite been that player. Now, a lot of that, I think, really does have to do with the quarterback than it does about DT. And he had a decent game, five catches for 69 yards, uh, which again, with the quarterbacks only throwing it 26 times, he was going to have limited opportunities. So I, he did fine. I think he still shows that he has plenty of talent on this team. And uh, I, I think, I, I really do think he'll be around next year. Yeah, I'm really hoping that he is around next year. And I'm a big fan. For me last week, last week I went with, with me last week, I went with third down defense. Broncos need to get off the field. Brissett showing his legs. And Brissett did extend a few drives with his legs, but nothing crazy. And Broncos held the Colts to 6 for 13, which isn't ideal. You know, that's not a great percentage. You'd rather have that about 3 for 13. 
But six for 13, I mean, it didn't, it didn't hurt him in the end. And we also lost a turnover battle when we ended up winning the football game. So what do I know? <laughs> What'd you pick this week? The red zone offense, because the Broncos have been somewhat struggling in the red zone recently, at least coming away with points. Last week, surprisingly, you know, again, they won 25 to 13. But in the red zone, the Broncos were for one for three. They did not come away with points in two of their three attempts or two of their three trips to the red zone. And that's, that's unacceptable. You got to be three for three, two for three is not great, but one for three, that's, that's bad. And I know McManus missed a field goal. He shouldn't have and everything like that, but you, you got to come away with points and Broncos playing the Redskins. Redskins are a much better team. And if they want to win this game or be in it, not only do they have to score points in the red zone, they need to just come away with touchdowns. So that's something I like about Lynch. He offers that size, that athleticism factor. But he's got to take care of the football in the red zone. And you got to, you got to come away with points and touchdowns. So don't throw the pick, but I'm also going to be greedy. Don't only not throw the pick. Got to score. Agreed. I, I went with another thing that I think has been an under-talked under about reason the Broncos have been so bad this year, and that is penalties. They are fifth in the league with 130 flags thrown against them. And they've just had so many actual really good plays negated by penalty i think about the Devonte booker play last week great play that is highlight reel they're oh, they're playing that over and over again on espn top 10 those kind of things i think about the last time that paxton lynch got a start and he had a couple really nice throws that were negated by penalty i it just seems to happen every time anything good happens for this team expect a flag the defense, they've had their times of just not playing disciplined football, getting caught out of position, having to grab, all those kind of things. Offensive line, oh my goodness, Garrett Bowles, how many holding calls can you get in one season? We knew that would be a yeah. problem coming in, but I think it's been more of a problem than I thought it would be. He's just, I think Mark Schlereth always talks about it. Offensive linemen have to learn how to hold. There, there's a way to hold that they won't get called for the penalty, or at least not as often. And he's just, he's not learned that. He pretty much just kind of jumps on the guy's back and rides him to the ground right in front of the official. So I, I don't know, just that, that has been a huge part of the game. So I'd love to see them kind of clean that up these last couple games, show a little bit more discipline, show a little bit more understanding of, of what's happening in the game and, and just stop having these big plays taken away because of a stupid penalty. Yeah, I, I can't disagree with you <laughs> at all. Penalties have been an issue. We knew it would be an issue with Bulls this year, but... Across the line, I mean, you see, especially our offensive, our defensive line, I feel like we've jumped in the neutral zone, specifically Von Miller, like 300 times. I know that's an exaggeration, but it doesn't feel like it. So definitely have to take care of the football better and have to just not shoot yourself in the foot. Because when you're constantly, you know, creating penalties, oh man, we just got a, uh, an update here. We'll have to get into that in a second. But yeah, when you're constantly getting penalties, it's an issue. Breaking news for us. Broncos officially placing pass rusher Shane Ray on IR. Friday, he had wrist surgery to remove the screws that were inserted in the injury when he injured it during training camp, and he played with the cast this season. So Broncos are officially uh, done with Shane Ray for the season. Yeah, I, I figured that was coming. Right now, it really has come down to if guys are even a little bit banged up. If you're not, I mean, they're, they're still trying to win, but it's not like, hey, we're going to do everything possible. We're going to put injured players out there to win games. I'm glad that they're shutting some of these guys down. I saw that Shane Ray said he'd gotten down to like 220 pounds this year. That's horrible for an edge rusher. <laughs> oh, 
you're going to get blown up in the run game. Like he has some this year. <laughs> so I don't mind them going ahead and shutting him down. Seeing what some of the other young guys can do. Get some young guys on here. Signing of like JJ Dealman. I like that signing. I think he's a guy that has a little bit of potential to, to maybe become a starter down the road or at least a depth guy. I liked him in the draft. Not, not like top three rounds kind of guy, but I still liked him. So some of those kind of things. I like those getting those guys on the roster and still having the other guys for the next season. Absolutely. Well, that was our breaking news segment. So you guys kind of get an idea of when we're recording these podcasts. We, uh, we actually got it in this week, so that's good. Sometimes news comes out on Wednesday or Thursday, and just because of our, you know, this isn't our full-time gig, we have other obligations, and, you know, got to not only re- get the outline ready for the podcast, but then record the podcast, and then also edit the podcast, and that's two podcasts a week. I mean, you can see why it would be an issue, and we have to do these on Tuesday. It'd be great to do these on Thursday and get them out to you that day, but, you know, I don't have a producer. I'm doing this. We're doing this on ourselves, you know, so here we are. But before we get out of here, we obviously have to say thank you to our sponsor, Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com backslash huddle up. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, MP3 player. You know, there's, there's so many books and options on there. You know, if you're looking for something for the kids and the car drive to the relatives or you're looking to get more football smart, there's a lot of really great football books on there as well. Something for everybody. You know, I'm a science guy myself. There's science books. There's religious books for Carl. I mean... Whatever you're interested in, Audible has it. Once you're done getting football smart here, you know you can flip over to Audible and get book smart as well. It doesn't hurt to be smart in more than one way. So again, www.audibletrial.com backslash huddle up. It helps us, helps you, and it's just a great program. I can't recommend it enough. All right, Carl. Well, prediction. I'm going to go first, and I picked the Broncos to lose the last two weeks, and they've won, so I'm going to pick them to win this week. I think the spread right now is four and a half to the Redskins. I'm going to have the Broncos cover and win. Broncos win the game 28-27. Okay, I will go Broncos cover the spread but lose 27-24. All right, well, you heard it here first. I've been wrong. I haven't been cheering for the team to lose, but I figured, you know, I might as well just predict the loss, and if it happens, I'm right and get the better draft pick, but I'm getting wrong, so screw it. I'm going to go with the win. Probably maybe not the smartest because this is the best opponent we've played in the last two weeks, but again, everyone going to the quad. We're going streaking, so I'm going to finish off with that four-game win streak and Maybe get that 7-9 or nine record. It's unfortunate because that does mean we have a losing record. and That means we have to get a win next year to keep our non-back-to-back losing season record going, which I think goes back to like the, the 70s. It's ridiculous. It's the longest streak in the NFL by a lot. But I think we're heading in the right direction. I, have, I feel like there's some direction to the team, which is huge, and that's big. But again, that's going to wrap up our Week 16 preview of the Huddle Up podcast. You can find Carl on Twitter, at Carl Dummler, MHH and myself, at Nick Kendall, MHH as well as find our Denver Bronco articles on Mile High Huddle, an affiliate of scott.com and CBS Sports Digital Network. You can follow the Huddle Up podcast by subscribing to us on iTunes and for Android users, Stitcher. You can follow us on Twitter at Mile High Huddle and at Huddle Up Pod. Again, please be sure to subscribe and rate us as we love hearing from you guys, and those ratings really help. I mean, we got that five-star rating right now, not to brag or anything. It's pretty great. We love you know getting those ratings and reviews from you guys as well. So we, we wouldn't be here without you guys, that's for sure. And reach out to us, again, at Nick Kendall MHH, at Carl Dumbler MHH. The draft is barreling down on us quickly. I mean, what are we, three months, two months from free agency and four months, five months from the draft? I mean, it's, it's pretty much here. I mean, draft season is upon us. And if you guys have opinions, you know, if you want to tell me how wrong I am about not being the biggest Baker Mayfield fan or tell Carl how he's wrong that Quentin Nelson isn't the best guard of all time, you know, 
come at us. We love it. I love being challenged. <laughs> Only hashtag facts allowed. But again, thank you guys. Love interacting with you. For Carl Dumbler, I'm Nick Kendall wrapping up another episode of the Huddle Up podcast. We hope you enjoyed it, and we will see you next week. Go Broncos. Mile high huddle.